<laughs> Welcome to the Craft It Out podcast, where we cry while we laugh, or sometimes laugh until we cry. And this is something I like to call crafting. Hi, my name is Emerson Sauer, and whether you're laughing or crying, I'm so glad you're here. And if you're not, do better. Today's guest is someone that I like about 25% of the time. And so to introduce her, can I please start with a drum roll? Introducing Abigail Taylor. Um, thanks for doing your own drum roll. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what do you want to know? My name is Abby. I'm from Kaysville, Utah. I'm a student here with Emerson at Utah State. We're roommates. We like it some of the time. <laughs> the other times it's not it's not so great, but it's only been a week, so can't complain yet. But we were actually how we met. I don't know how some Utah girl knows some Idaho girl, but it starts like most do in Utah. We were missionary companions in the great California Bakersfield mission. And now here we are, uh, like two years, three years later. Three years, yeah. Living our best life back in Utah. So as special as Abby is, she's not on this show just because I like her, but she also has a loss just like everyone who comes on this podcast does. So tell us a little bit about your experience with grief, but let's start from the beginning. Where did everything start for you? Okay, so in December of 2020, um, my mom was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Um, And she had had some health complications up to that. They thought it was her gallbladder and long story short, it wasn't, it was cancer. Um, And so we were told, well, my parents didn't tell us kind of the time length that they were given. Um, But after she passed away, we were told they gave her two years to live. and she ended up passing away six months later after she was diagnosed. So there's kind of a lot of, I guess, trauma that happened in those six months. So my mom, so she was diagnosed in December and she started chemo in January. And after her first round of chemo, um, she had a pulmonary embolism. So it's basically where a blood clot gets in the main artery to your heart. Um, and luckily she survived that. It's like a 5% chance of survival when you get those. So we were really lucky that she fought through that. Um, so she came home from the hospital and then after her next round of chemo, she had a series of two large strokes. And luckily, I mean, besides the cancer, made a full recovery of those. And... So that shortened that two-year timeline. Um, Their oncologist told them that he was shocked that she was still alive, and so it was kind of just enjoy the time you have with her. Um, And she was doing pretty good probably up until, like, that May, and then her health just really started to decline. And then that June, on the 16th, she passed away. So that's kind of a long story short. So it's been, no, a year and two months. Two months. So your experience, so I've had me, obviously, because I'm the center of attention, so I talked first, (laughs) and then I've had my grandma and my mom, and a lot of our stories, our experiences with loss were sudden, 
And so I think what's so interesting about your loss is, I mean, even though your parents didn't give you the timeline the doctor did, like, I mean, I know personally you did research because you, like, told me about it. And so you knew what stage four pancreatic cancer meant. And so you experienced, like, you know, you, like, had the idea of what was going to happen. So what was that like, experiencing anticipatory grief and, like, knowing what could come but still hoping that it didn't if that makes sense yeah um it was it was kind of weird just knowing because you look up pancreatic cancer that's always the kind that when you hear that you know what's going to happen um and especially stage four we had a lot of people just tell us oh that's a death sentence and so why would people tell you that? I don't know. Okay, people if, said stupid if stuff. If you're listening, if you're listening, honestly, and if you're still not listening, listen right now. Don't say dumb crap. Don't tell people it's a death sentence. Don't tell people to get over it. Just don't be stupid. That's it. Continue. Sorry. Amen. <laughs> um, but it was, it's, I think it's so different from yours and your mom's and your grandma's grief. Um, I don't know. I keep hearing like, Grief and death is so universal, but it's so personal. Um, And so for me, it was, I mean, I, yeah, I researched, I looked up what was going to happen and the survival rates of pancreatic cancer. And so I knew that she was going to die, but I, it was still just trying to have that hope and just praying and praying for a miracle. And, but it was different. I really noticed after she died. Because, like, with you and your mom and your grandma, those sudden deaths, you kind of react after, and you have, you grieve after. And I feel like for us, we, I mean, we weren't grieving. My mom made it very clear she wanted things to be normal, and she wanted us to have fun and have good memories. So we tried our best, but, like, I was just kind of grieving up until the day she died, and that last couple weeks was just super hard for her she was in a lot of pain and just at that point we had decided as a family just to start praying that she'd be able to go just so that she would stop hurting and so the morning she died it it was almost like not peaceful but peaceful just because we knew she wasn't hurting and that was like the biggest thing and even that day like right after the so the hospice nurse came which by the way hospice people are the most angelic people on the planet um but so she came and right after like they called the time we were in the room and like five minutes after we started telling the hospice nurse about the april fool's jokes my mom would pull like that it just wasn't it wasn't what you would expect the day that someone dies but i mean it like it was still sad we all still cried that whole day but it was hard leading up. And then I think it's kind of hit, like, now after. It's hitting me harder than it did the day she died. Okay, so you mentioned that you experienced grief before your mom died and then after. So tell us a little bit about what that looked like before and after, how they were similar, how they were different, and just your experience in general with that. Okay, um, I guess before... It was different because she was still there, so it felt kind of weird to, like, grieve with her there. But also it was so nice to be able to still go through that with your mom. Like, I I don't know how to describe that, but, like, 
just being able to be with her was so nice and like there were so many cool miracles that happened that helped us before she passed away like me and my sister were at school and we were like okay we're gonna move home and luckily someone bought both of our contracts which we were told wouldn't happen and so we were able to move home and then all of our classes both of us were moved online so it's like the only time I'll say I'm thankful for COVID but (laughs) but I am so grateful for that um so we just I got to be home all the time with her I had a job but they were really cool about me being home and I just got to spend so much time with her that it I wasn't always super sad about it. Um, and like going to bed or seeing her in pain, I'd kind of shuffle out of the room and cry on my own. Um, so I guess that's how it was different before. And it felt like everyone was kind of grieving with us. Like people brought so much stuff and like people were really good to us and everyone was involved. And then after like you, you have the funeral and the viewing and, the couple weeks after that people are still really involved in it and then I mean you know like it's like a month or two after people just stop um and like there are those few people that still check on me and still bring stuff but like most of the people just stop and so it's just felt I felt more alone after um and then I don't know I guess all the trauma and anxiety kicked in probably like six months after I feel like I'm 10 times more anxious now I question a lot more now um and I think I think a lot different now I think a lot more practically and I don't know maybe a more bitter person I don't know just grumpy (laughs) (laughs) I would agree um (laughs) um no I think I know that right like after that first year especially it's like dead silent and I think it's hard because everyone else moves on with their life and like they don't I don't know how it is for you like I'm not trying to speak for you but I know for us it's like everyone kind of forgets that they were a person unless it's brought up like they remember but they don't really think about like oh yeah like they're gone they're dead like for you you have a whole new normal but for everyone else, like, their life continues because that's not a person that's in their life all the time. But do you feel like your relationship with your family has been impacted since your mom's death? Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting to look at it now because when she was here and we knew about the cancer... Um, Everyone lived so close. We were all always at the house. Um, And we didn't really talk about what we felt, I guess. We all just kind of cried together or we had fun together. Um, Like the whole week after she passed away, all we did was sit in the basement or in the family room and play Mario Kart or Smash Bros. Like for the whole first week. And so we were just together all the time. And now it's just been different. Like, we still get together a lot, I think, more than a lot of families do. Um, But you can start to see how people are handling it differently. Like, I'm I'm handling it different than my older siblings or my younger siblings. Everyone's kind of taking on 
their own stuff now, um, which has been, I guess, like, good and bad. We all need to go to therapy, but none of us will. (laughs) But, um, But, yeah, I think our relationship now is totally different. And I don't think it's better or worse. I think we're a lot closer. Um, but we're all kind of dealing with our own stuff now. Oh, I I think the one thing, and I don't like to use the word cool or like blessing or grateful because people look at you like you're an actual psychopath. <laughs> but uh, one thing I've noticed, like, and before you go saying, like, I've talked to three people about grief, it comes up a lot more than you would think when you have an experience with it people want to talk about it it's a similarity you have and you people go really deep really fast when they have a similar experience with loss no matter who it is but a lot of people you talk to their family just like folds into each other folds isn't the right word I don't know what I'm trying to say but like they go (laughs) um I am so sorry for that (laughs) we are currently filming in the Utah State Library and someone just um walked into our room but as I was saying, <laughs> bloody hell, stupid <laughs> students, um, people go into their family. And so when I tried to explain to my past roommates or even just friends from school why I want to go home so, t- so many times and so frequently, they don't get it. I mean, yes, they think I'm weird and just like my parents are my only friend, which is slightly accurate. Mm-hmm. Abby's like the other 5%. <laughs> but when you lose someone you love, and you're surrounded by the people you love, it's so much easier and you feel so much safer being around those people versus trying to explain it to some stranger like why I suddenly get stressed when my friends don't answer the phone. I don't know. That's just my experience though. Like I don't know if yours is different or if you have any weird like triggers ever since your mom has died because I know for me and all my siblings, we each have our own thing that kind of just sets us off. Yeah. No, and I I agree with the family thing. I think I'm the same way now. I mean, I've always been a homebody, and I didn't mind going home from school, but I'd always have this fear that I was missing out at school. And now it's just kind of like, I want to go home and see my family because they they understand what I'm feeling and what's going on and why I want to be home. Um, As for triggers... I feel like I'm still figuring it out, but, like, there are definitely some things that are hard for me. Like, hearing sirens is always hard now just because I watched my mom get taken away in an ambulance twice, not knowing if she was coming back. And and I know what those people are feeling now. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I remember going to a funeral of one of my friends in fifth grade a couple months ago and it was the first funeral I'd been to since my mom died and I just remember thinking like now I get to go home and my life is the same somewhat and so just thinking about that again and thinking what those people are feeling again definitely triggered it um I don't know why the Target parking lot triggers it like (laughs) Like, I, I get so anxious. Like, I can go into any other store now except for Target. Like, I've had, like, three panic attacks in the Target parking lot, and I don't know why. But, like, I'll go from Target to, like, Walmart right after, and I'm fine. 
I just don't know. Target Target lovers are gonna come sending hate mail for <laughs> Abby Taylor. <laughs> Give them your handle, your Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no. But yeah, it's that's a super weird trigger. Um, I would say another one is like I just lost my train of thought. But there's like triggers ever. Oh, I remember. Um, Putting up decorations has been a big one because, like, my mom, that was something my mom always did. It was always her job to do that. And my dad's not a good decorator. <laughs> and so, sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. No, he's good. But I think I just kind of as- assumed the job of putting them up. And so I get pretty emotional every time I put decorations up. So there are a lot of triggers. And then some will just happen. I don't know what triggers it, but they're all over. Like, I get a trigger every day. And your story is also way different than everyone else's because now you have a single parent. Um, I know for my mom, when her dad died, her parents were already divorced, so it was a little bit different. But now you have your dad, Jeff, who is quite the catch. I'm sure the ladies are all up on that. (laughs) And so what's that like navigating now watching your dad when he's ready or if he's ready, start to date. Like, what, how does that all play into, like, your grief and losing your mom and those kind of feelings? It's so weird. Like, that's the only way, and he's talked about it too, like, all we can say is it's so weird. And, like, it's Jeff. Everyone loves Jeff. Um, And, obviously, I mean, like, he was a stake president. He knows a lot of people. And so a lot of people just set up try and set him up and it's just been crazy the amount of people that I've seen like come up to us and ask if he's dating or if he's ready to date or asking him like I'm just gonna say it right now don't ever ask that question unless you are in the family it it's just weird um but it's it's been it has been weird um and I would say that probably gives me the most anxiety to think about just because there's so much that plays into it and um, there's just so many conflicting thoughts and we've talked about it as a family too because um, it in one spot like no one's ever gonna replace my mom and I don't like my mom's my mom no one ever is gonna take that role and I would rather have my mom than anyone else but I don't want my dad to be alone for the rest of his life um, just like I don't know, like one night we, most nights when me and my sister would leave back to college, my mom and dad would come out on the driveway and they'd watch us drive off. And then when I went back up to school, the school year after my mom died, just watching him sit there on the driveway alone, that was kind of when I thought, okay, like if he starts dating, if he gets married again, I can be okay with that. It's still going to be weird, still uncomfortable. Um but I'm okay, more okay with it now than I used to be. And, like, watching movies at night, like, I want him to be able to do things with someone besides my 14-year-old sister who is a teenager. Okay, but Annie is life the party. I mean, I've met her, like, (laughs) twice, but give her some credit, okay? (laughs) Jeff could do worse. (laughs) We love Annie. But, yeah, it's... It's such a weird thing to navigate, and no one gives you a book on it. Um, 
And so we're we're all just kind of taking it day by day, seeing how we feel and making sure you communicate, I think is the biggest thing. And I think that's been the biggest thing that has helped me be okay with it is I've talked to my dad about it and I've let him talk to me about it and how he's feeling because he has the same concerns. It's not like my mom died and he's like, all right, which which honey am I going to get now? Like you. <laughs> He, he thinks about everything, and he's very intentional about the things he does. And so just keeping that communication open has been huge. And I think something that you said um, stuck out to me, and it stuck out to me in every episode we've done so far, the, you know, the whole three of these now. And <laughs> it's that no one will ever replace Stacy. And no one will ever replace, you know, Grandpa Allen or Taylor or whoever it may be in your own life. And I think, I hope that's something you people, my five viewers here, is that when you comfort someone with grief, know that. No one's ever going to replace them. None of us who are grieving are asking someone to replace them. Um, I know that, you know, Taylor died when I was 11. I had one sister-in-law before that, and then I gained two sister-in-laws after that. And I know nothing was ever said to me, but I know it was said to others of, you know, don't not wanting to feel like they were replacing Taylor or trying to. And I never felt that way. And I am grateful that they were considerate enough to be worried about that. But I hate to break it. I mean, I love them, but they will never be her. Just like whoever your dad marries for you will never be your mom. And I think that's totally justified and it's fair and it takes the pressure off of us as the people grieving and also you as the person stepping into this new role and so please know you'll never be that person but we're going to be able to love you in a new way and it'll be different but it doesn't mean it's less like you I don't know if that what I'm trying to say it makes mm-hmm. sense but I just hope you people listening realize that you become such a new special part of our life but it's different not more than not less than but different And so just walk with that, be graceful with it. I wouldn't say run with it because you're probably (laughs) going to slip and eat it, but just do your best to recognize that we lost who we lost and we're going to grieve and miss them while also still being able to love you for who you are. And so with that, I didn't really, I'm a horrible podcaster and I didn't really let you talk about your mom and who she is and who she was when she was here. And so I want to give you some time to just talk about who Stacy is, who your mom is, and why like no one will ever be able to replace her. You turd. I'm going to cry in like three seconds. Um, I don't even know where to start with my mom. My mom is, she's my mom. She's the funniest person I think I've ever met. Um, she has the quickest wit out of anybody. Just like these one-liners that'll kill you. Um, I don't. How do you even describe her? Just the most compassionate, selfless person ever. I never heard her talk bad about anyone. I never, you know, she never had any bad intentions toward anyone besides you fans. <laughs> <laughs> but she just was such a light and just so kind. Um, one of the biggest things I think 
that my mom taught me was just how to include people. Um, my mom was my mom was the crap in high school. Um, she grew up in Richfield. It's a small town, but I mean, she was homecoming queen, cheerleading captain, student body president. Just had it all, everything a high schooler wants, um, and was still just friends with the people that didn't have friends. Um, And that translated even after my parents got married, after we moved to Kaysville. Um, I've always been so intrigued by that, just the people that she was friends with. She never, I mean, she was friends with everyone, but like never really was part of a clique, was never really invited to the big trips with the popular people in the ward, but she had her group of friends and was just so kind. I remember all the time coming home from school and she would be making treats and I'd go to reach for one and they were never for us. They were always for other people. They always do that. Or if they do give you one, it's the burnt ones. Yeah, it's like the rough drafts. Um, but that that was always huge. And that's been just an example to me because I think I'm someone who likes my comfort people and I don't not that I mean to but I don't always include other people and just since I've noticed that about my my mom I've always tried to do what she did and just include everybody um I I don't know what do you want to know about my mom she's hilarious she's the life of the party can always throw a good party um she's one of the most devoted people to God that I've ever seen even when she had cancer I would walk past her room and she's either reading the scriptures or doing some kind of gospel study um always or praying she was always doing one of those three and that that was huge for me because she could have easily turned away from God and a lot of people do when situations like that happen but she she never did it was always I have a savior. I have someone who's already felt this for me. And so I'm going to follow him. And that was huge because I've been, I was mad for a long time at God for letting it happen and for letting one of the best people on the planet and one of the people most devoted to him get cancer. And she'd always stop me when I said I was mad and she'd say, Well, God didn't give me cancer, He gave me Jesus. Which I was like, she's nuts. But it it was so true, and she just, she powered through, and she always had so much faith that everything would work out. Um, up until the very end, she her some of her last words, at least to me, were, I love you, and I love the Lord, and that that's all that matters. Um, and that's just who she was. She loved people, and she loved God. And she loved BYU football. It was those three things. And so just one of the best best people you can find. I can get on board with all of that except <laughs> for the last one. Stacy and I will one day have some words <laughs> if we haven't already. But I, I want you guys to know that Abby is actually one of my favorite human beings. I throw her a lot of crap because that's what our relationship is that's what my relationship is with everyone I've ever met but something cool about us is Abby's last name and Stacy's last name is Taylor and so 
they, their family, I've only met all of them like a couple of times, but I love them all with my entire heart. And if they listen to this, this is so embarrassing. (laughs) But I am so grateful for them and the example that they have been in my life. And um, before everything happened with Stacy, how supportive they were of me and letting me talk to them about my sister and my story. And so I hope that I can be that person for them. And I hope there's more of you out there who can also be that person for them. Because there are Stacys and Taylors all around the world who are big lives and who have done so much for so many people. Because I hate to break it to you, it's usually the best ones that go first. At least in my experience. And if you haven't, don't take that the wrong way, okay? (laughs) But so please reach out to someone this week that you know has experienced a loss. Or maybe it's not even a death, but they are going through a divorce or losing their house or a job. There are so many people experiencing so many things that you wouldn't know of. I mean, I'm constantly walking around with an RBF on my face, so I'm sure people can assume something's wrong with me. But Abby and the Taylor family are some of the happiest people. Um, Abby might have RBF too, but the rest of them, <laughs> the rest of them are all super kind and nice and just happy people. And so you never know what someone's going through. So just please reach out to those you love, those you don't know, those you don't care about, and let them know that you're there because that is what Stacy would do. Um, she came all the way to my house, to my mission homecoming, and I never even met her. So just the few experiences I had with her, you could see how amazing of a person she was, and I hope you guys this week can strive to be that person. Is there anything else you want to say? Also, laugh when I tell a dead parent joke, or when Emerson tells like a dead sister joke. That's been like my biggest complaint so far, is no one laughs at my jokes. <laughs> Not the actual like dead person part, but the jokes. Yeah. But if I make it your, if you make it your mom joke and I give you a mean look and say don't make it, please laugh at it. Yeah, it makes everyone super uncomfortable when you like don't acknowledge that it was funny. <laughs> so stop being little prudes and just laugh at our dang jokes. And it's we how we won't cope. have to fight. Yeah. But I, yeah, I would just agree. Just if you know that somebody's grieving, just allow them to grieve. I think a lot of people tried to tell me, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Like she's in a better place, whatever. All the normal things that you say. But I think they forgot, like, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to be anxious now. It's okay to feel all of these feelings. You need to feel them. That is part of grief is allowing yourself to feel all of the emotions. And you can feel them as long as you want until you're dead. And so I I would just say just allow people to grieve and just be there. Don't try and fix it. Don't try and solve the problem. Just be there. And I just agree with everything that Emerson said. You know, I think that's the first person that has ever said they agreed with me. So let's like mark it, (laughs) cut it there. Um, Again, for those of you who listen, please share it. Please like it. I would love to hear more experiences of people who have experienced loss in any form. Um, We now have, I think, a sister, a mother. I guess we have a dad. So we could use a brother. Like if anyone like (laughs) wants to add to our dead family tree, that'd be awesome. We are we are pretty exclusive, <laughs> but 
we will we'll take your interest. And we want to thank our fans who at the Merrill Library who <laughs> walked in on us and gave us dirty looks when they saw our Stanley Cups and our podcast. Um, but again, please make someone laugh this week. Make someone cry. You know, you know me. I love the second one. But also reach out to someone you know is in need, whatever, whatever that need may be, and be a listening ear and let them know you're here. So thank you, and I hope you have a great week. Bye-bye. Adios. <laughs>